I'm John Perry. I'm Ted Cupper. And this is Constellation, making the graphic novel. Join us as we build an original science fiction world. Okay, welcome back, everybody. How are you doing, John? I'm good today. I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm excited to get into the end of our story or the, the beginning of the end, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I to am st- too. Uh, we talked a lot last time about the third trial, but we left off with some questions. So why don't we jump right in and start figuring out um, how that's all going to go? Yeah, so uh, we talked off air. I gave uh, Ted my pitch and we sort of sorted out some things. And um, as always, sorting them out involves just rewinding a little bit, right? So we're going to, I'm going to start talking about the story um, right after Tim has completed the second trial, right? And at that moment, uh, you know, Tim thinks he's good. He's like two down. He's on to the third one. And right. Zoya shows up uh, to give him the third trial. But this time, she has a very high-ranking club rep with her, uh, which, you know, we know some things about uh, that will be revealed later in the twist. But for Tim, this feels like like he's hit the big time, like an actual important person has shown up. He's done two out of three trials. He's about to get the third. He's probably very excited and nervous in this moment. Um, and we were talking about how that club rep might be uh, not just any old club rep. Right, uh, it might right. be yeah, someone he, that Tim has a familiar with. Right. We had we had a, a pitch from a, a while ago that there might be some famous world designer that he sort of um, admires, and that person might potentially be this club rep. I don't know. We'll have to see if we think that... Uh yeah, if that makes that might the world even be part of too small, or if it's if it feels good, I don't know. I'm not sure yet. Sure, yeah, it, and you know, just for background, I mean, this might be part of Tim's motivation for getting into the club in the first place. If there's this uh, very famous, uh, prestigious world designer that Tim admires, that you know is a high profile club member, and if that was the person that showed up, then I mean, Tim would be even more you know impressed and uh, nervous about uh, succeeding in this next task. So that's right. sort of the setup. Right. Yep. Um, now again, we got to, th- even though the twist is not revealed to the reader yet, uh, from our perspective as writers, we have to kind of think about that because, you know, w- and the question I sort of was asking to Ted off air is like, what is actually the club's motivation in this moment? Because we know that the club is now on to Zoya, right? So Zoya has been kind of trying to put one over on the club, right? She doesn't, she didn't want the club to know that she gave away their location right. by accident to Tim so then she's been, um, you know, being blackmailed by Tim, and she's then also been exploiting Tim uh, at the same time to have Tim do the trials for her. Mm-hmm. And, but the club, you know, the, the jig is up. Like, the club knows what she's been doing. And at this point, they intervene, and they tell her, you know, number one, you've got to clean up your mess, Right. Like you're the guy that, uh, or you're yeah, the person that you made that this let... mistake. You got to make it right. Yeah, I- exactly. Like so that we know that that's part of it, right? Like the club would. Tim knows a bit too much about the club's real location and their hazing process. The club would sort of prefer that Tim went away. Right. Right. It's uh, inconvenient we... just having this guy around and as a potential liability for this information getting out. And it's not like they. You know, they could tolerate him being around. It's not, like you said, uh, an existential threat, right, right to 
uh, their club if if Tim continues to to go around knowing what he knows. But they would rather that he go away. So they have some already uh, some interest in in maybe if Tim were to die, you know, that wouldn't be such a problem. Right. Uh, but we decided there maybe had to be also a little more than that. I mean, obviously they do have to haze Zoya. Zoya has to prove her loyalty and. She has messed up, right? So if she could prove her loyalty in a way that means like she's sort of cleaning up the mess she made, I think that's maybe even a stronger signal. Plus the fact that she's being asked to literally kill someone. I mean, that's that's blackmail material that they would have on Zoya at that point. Right, right. They would be able to leak that information to like the reputation worlds and really cause trouble for her if she ever crossed them. So that's partially the motivation, but even that may not be quite enough, right? Yeah. So a third dimension to this, uh, decision by the club to want to see Zoya kill Tim would be just the fact that they are an aesthetic organization, right? I mean, they don't, to the extent that they have an ideology, uh, other than sort of accruing status, it's also novelty. It's novel experiences, right? I mean, they're not interested in seeing someone killed, for utilitarian reasons, they're interested in seeing someone killed for the art of it, right? I mean, Absolutely. that's sort of like because where they're so coming from. Because there's so few uh, novel experiences left to them, and this is something that really doesn't happen much in this world where death is totally voluntary. Very few people voluntarily die. And specifically, they've got this very strange situation that has fallen in their lap where one of their young pledges has been stringing along this person, Tim, for not one, but two trials, to the point that this person, Tim, really thinks that they're about to get into their club if he does one more trial. That's right. He's already been and kind it, of pre-conned, so there's no yeah. no need to like build up his trust. She's already done it. And in their mind, you know, why let a good prank go to waste, right? It would be, uh, it would just be wasteful to not, you know, see this this con through to the finish line. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we were talking about this before. It's basically like a, a slightly more sophisticated version of do it for the story, right? I mean, I feel like you get social pressure to do things for the story all the time in your life. And that's what this club wants. They want the story. They enjoy having these novel and, uh, uh, you know, interesting stories to tell one another. Um, and so they see value in this. And, and that's why they really put the pressure on Zoya to you know, clean up her mess and show her loyalty and uh, uh, help them complete this con. Yeah, because, like, wouldn't it be so pricelessly ironic if this guy thought that he was, you know, beating trial after trial and just at the moment he thought he was going to get into the club, he died, right? Uh, And then, you know, the other analogy we use, too, is um, since they caught Zoya sort of making an error, error, it like sort of makes sense to punish her by forcing her to just lean into that error even more, right? right it's like when right. you catch someone smoking and you make them smoke a whole pack or something. You yeah, know? The cl- yeah, the club definitely feels like a smoke a whole pack culture to me. I think they are, you know, they definitely seem like they have that kind of ideology. Um, so I think that's, that's making it even more appealing to them to suggest this. So I guess what all this means is that like the third trial isn't always murder someone. This isn't like a murderous club, right? The third trial is something that's a really expensive signal that the, the, the um, initiate has to show that they really want to be part of the club and maybe it always has to be compromising in some way. But um, 
in her case, because of the scenario, because they have now figured out what's going on, um, her final trial is she must um, lead Tim to, uh, she must kill Tim by leading Tim to think that he is going to kill someone. <laughs> specifically it's com- it's it, it's it does sound convoluted when you say it but yeah i mean it's a highly irregular situation that that has happened so they it deserves a highly irregular solution right uh from their mind so again all of this is unknown to the reader right so in this moment um tim is there and the reader think that they're just like climbing the ranks and about to get the third trial Right. But this is what's operating in the background because we do want the club rep to be kind of steering things in this scene um, and playing maybe more of an active role in, you know, pushing Tim to both accept the trial um, because Tim might be turned off by this suggestion at first and also pushing Tim maybe to execute it in a certain way. Um, right, right. Because Tim might be looking for a sort of way out. I don't, I forget if we already discussed this, but you remember that uh, Yorgos Lanthimos movie, uh, uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer, right? I do. And we've so, talked about that, yeah. So we talked um, about that. Like That's a guy who's uh, been told to kill someone. So in that sense, it's similar to what happens to Tim, right? And uh, he spends basically the whole movie trying to get out of the sort of hard moral question at the center, right? Like... He he doesn't want to do the killing, of course, but um, but even when he f- when he sort of finds out that he's going to have to kill someone, he still doesn't want to sort of make the choice of who to kill. And I don't know. I think that Tim might have some of that reaction to this, right? He might uh, try to come up with a clever solution to um, quote unquote kill someone without actually uh, morally blemishing himself. And we talked about some ways to try to do this: try to find a suicide or something like that. Um, but obviously those ways would fail and they might even fail because the club rep sort of discourages them or disqualifies them in some way. Um, because obviously the club rep has his own motives as we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, the club rep needs to kind of steer him in this moment. And again, Tim is impressionable, both he's got the sunk cost of he's already done two out of three trials. And then additionally, if this is someone he admires, uh, whether he actually knows of them as a famous club, you know, world designer or just as a high ranking club rep. I mean, he is sort of, he's primed to be influenceable in this moment, I think. So oh, yeah. they may go, and he feels they like he's go, so close to this thing that he really wants too. Yeah, that's right. And so like, they may go so far as the, the club rep may go so far as to actually uh, give him the location even of the naturalist world that yeah. the, the murder plot's going to go down. And we're not, I'm not totally sure about that, but that's definitely like a possibility. I mean, I, I, it depends how we make that work. But the, the reason I pitched that earlier and the reason I think that could work is that, um, it, you know, it might be hard to find um, a world um, that is like this. So Tim might come up with the idea of going to a naturalist world on his own, uh, or maybe he gets led into that as well with a conversation. Um, but maybe he can't find one or he's having trouble finding one. And the club rep, it would be known to Tim that the club rep has access to the club's huge database of, of tips. So it's, I think, reasonable that the club rep could offer to help him by getting him a tip um, for a world. 
and that wouldn't I don't think that would necessarily set off any alarm bells in Tim's mind that he's being manipulated. Um, so no, because I, you know, the second trial was here's a world, solve this puzzle in this world, right? So the notion that you would get handed a world, yeah, it's for the not third trial, foreign, it's not foreign to him at all, right? Yeah, yeah, and just like here, the puzzle this time is figure out how to kill someone on this world. It's a different puzzle altogether, but you know, it's not that different of a dynamic, really. Sure. So um, right, I mean, it could be part of the. It could be like literally go to this world and kill someone, or it could just be like figure out how to kill someone. Tim spends X amount of time trying to do that, fails, comes back and says, "I'm having a really hard time with this. I need to find a natural world or something," and. Then they say, oh, well, maybe we can, you know, might be able to tell you about a few worlds that you could have. I got to say, I'm leaning towards the first one just because it feels faster right now. But, you know, I'm I'm open on that. I'm I'm somewhat open as well. Uh, Just just sort of ideas that we can consider. But, uh, yeah. The main... Well, the, the, I mean, the result of all of this, right, which solves some of our problems we were falling into last episode, is that, you know, however that conversation goes exactly, it does mean that all three of them, the club reps, Zoe and Tim, are going to arrive at the naturalist world at the same time. Roughly the same time, right. I mean, they can stagger if it, if there's a reason to in their plan or something. But, right, they, there's no reason why he has to be there and then, like, get them in, which we had we had been talking about last time and which was creating some issues for, for how that was all going to go down. And I also think there's something kind of fun about them all being in this world together and he thinks they have one plan and they know they have a different plan. Um, so there'll be some things that don't quite a hundred percent track for the audience, you know, that are happening um, that later make sense as they are sort of uh, surveilling him. And like we were talking about, they, maybe they even try to kill him and sort of fail a couple of times. And we don't really realize that's what's going on. And the moment um, before they finally get uh, their actual chance, but at some point, um, you know, he pulls his his strategy, uh, and I think we can still use some version of the strategy we talked about last time, where he's going after a priest uh, or something like that, and um, they use this as their opportunity to uh, to get him. But since they've been there the whole time, it's not going to be weird if, for example, um, one of them has managed to get a weapon or something like that. That that is that is true, uh, and. But even before that, I mean, like, because this setup is so fascinating to me, I do want to, like, milk this for something, right? Because there is this moment where, uh-huh. and I imagine the three, I do imagine the three of them coming in as, like, the same sort of class of initiates, like, that are that are sort of joining this naturalist religion. Yeah, that might be easiest. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not at all opposed to that. And I kind of like the idea that, you know, maybe they're not even acting like they know each other, you know? Right, it's right. Possible. They almost shouldn't, yeah. So yeah, so they're all there sort of undercover and they know each other but they're not acting like they know each other and and they're all also pretending that they really care about this naturalist religion and they're being preached at and meanwhile like Tim is trying to think like oh god am I actually going to kill someone and if so who is it going to be and how am I going to do it and from Tim's perspective like the only reason Zoya and the club rep are there is just to referee this and be observers, right? Um but right. like in their mind, they're trying to turn the tables on him. It's just, I don't know. I just kind of want to linger. And then like, a, you know, a couple of weeks go by and they're learning about naturalism and having to do annoying things like build their own houses. I don't know. There's just something about. Well, this is most that- psychologically interesting for Zoya, I think, because she is thinking, oh, my God, am I going to really kill someone? Am I going to really kill Tim? 
And, you know, do I even want to do that? Like, this guy's annoying, but he's kind of also my friend. And I don't know. It's there's we ha- We're sort of connected now in these weird ways. Um, well, you know, the scene that would happen, right, is that Tim would be complaining to right. Zoya about exactly that. About right? Exactly that. Like, and she can't say anything to him because it would give it away. But she's like feeling like every single thing he's saying, right? Like, right. Because exactly. he's like, I just don't know if I can kill someone. And she's in her head thinking like, I don't know if I can kill someone. Right. You know. And he's worried about her and the observer watching him. But then she's worried about the observer watching her. Uh, and she's also worried about him potentially just murdering some random person. And she's also worried about her being able to kill him uh, when the time comes. Uh, and then because she knows uh, where this is all going, she's also worried about getting out <laughs> of this place after having committed a murder, which I think we'll have to have established during the indoctrination parts will be, you know, highly frowned upon by these like guy- godly naturalist people. Right. I mean, the, they are making themselves very vulnerable. So they're almost certainly going to have a strong social norm against murder. Oh yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, th- that just makes logical sense. Plus we need it for the story. So, so all that's happening. And I think that's, pretty psychologically complex for her. And I think we can show some, you know, some very rational responses to that, that that appear very strange to the audience at first. And then makes sense when they, you know, when they figure it out. Um, so that's, that's very exciting to me. I I'm, I'm looking forward to like exploring that in detail. Um, I don't think we're going to do that today, but I like what we have so far. I think this is a good start. Um, and it does tell us, you know, it tells us enough to know that we can do what we need to do, I think. Yeah. I mean, there's still some like, you know, rough edges to, to, to or just sand de- down, depths but, to plum still. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But I, but dive, I, but. but yeah, I think that can get us to a non contrived place where, yeah, maybe it's deep in the woods with a, a priest or whatever, like we were talking about. And, uh, you know, Tim, is supposed to kill the priest when the priest's back is turned, but he hesitates. Uh, we could even still have the thing where, like, the priest turns around, right, right, and sees, like, Tim with the gun or whatever it is, crossbow. Um, right. And then at that point, like, Zoya has a weapon, which makes sense because she's been planning this, or right. maybe even the club rep hands it to her and says, now is your moment. Um, but, you know, also maybe, again, at this point, we don't know any of that stuff. So when we see Zoya shoot Tim, yeah, it's going to play like she just stopped. She felt bad about the fact that Tim was going to kill the priest and she killed Tim to keep him to save the priest's life or something. Yeah. That's uh, really cool. That's a new misdirect that I didn't even realize we were going to have. That's that, yeah, I think that's good. Yeah. We talked a little bit about that angle last week, I think, but uh, it, it, it yeah. has even a different flavor now, I think. But like the idea that she looks maybe even righteous in that moment to the audience, right? Because, right. you know. She just uh, saved a priest from murder is what that's it That's right. Like. like, yeah, she, or she, you know, there was no good choice there, right? Either she was going to let Tim kill the priest or she was going to stop Tim and save the priest, right? Like, so right. you can't falter too much for the choice she makes if it if that's how it goes Especially down. Especially if one of them was like, plausibly going to murder the other one right i mean then it's then they're not equivalent lives anymore (laughs) that's right so i mean and that's very different than like the short story we're basing this off of right like that's a much more like and so i think that moment where tim 
is shocked that that's even happening. Right. And that he's and that he's dying, of course. Uh the priest is shocked at any of this <laughs> happening. Like why do these two people have weapons on them in the woods? Right. I thought we were going to do a religious ceremony or something. Right. But he also uh, thinks Zoya saved him, so he's not uh locking her up for being a murderer the way that you you would expect uh would happen if she had killed Tim, you know, just in the town square. Yeah, to the extent that he's processing things in that moment, he might be thinking, oh, thank God she saved my life or something, if he's mm-hmm. tracking what happened. Uh, so, like, you know, that's a moment where, like, three people, four people are in the woods and one of them's dead, right? Yep. Yep. And I think that's a, the right moment to to flashback, right, and see how we got here, but from a different perspective. Oh, yeah, that's definitely the moment. And, like, yeah, we can, um, I think we have plenty of time, so we can jump into talking about the flashback a bit uh, for the second half of the episode today, if you want. Um, but Yeah, we should try to, we, this is something we don't know as much about, so this is what we can explore today. Yeah, we can sort of... explore, we can pitch some things. So I, I think, um, yeah, the way that, you know, Zoya and the club rep will have already planned some some kind of escape. So they will have some plan that they are going to try to do now. It might get fucked up in some interesting way. So we should think about ways to complicate their plan and like how it could go wrong. Um, Like maybe the priest at first thinks that she saved him, but then he sees something or realizes something or they slip up and say the wrong thing. And he sort of puts it together. Or if that doesn't work, then maybe I honestly think Tim could say something, right? Because if like Tim, if Tim says something while he's dying, that 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 blows it. Um, It might be while he's dying, or it might even be the moment before, right? Because like when Tim is hesitating, like like if a mob boss like gave you a gun and said you got to kill someone, right? Right. And the mob boss was standing there watching you while you had a gun trained on someone, and you were trying to decide if you were actually going to do this, right? Right, right. You'd look back at the mob boss at some point and be like, do I really got to do this? Like, isn't there another way? You know, like, I feel like Tim could say something really weird in that moment that, like, the priest thinks back on is like, wait, what? (laughs) What was happening there? You know what I mean? Yeah, that that could be it. It's possible. Yeah, I wouldn't rule that out. Yeah. So it's got to be something that he doesn't figure it out right away, but then does figure it out later. So I think that makes it a little tricky. But yes, I think that is. Yeah, that might, the way I just described it might be too on the nose. It maybe would have to be more... You just, well, you just, just need something that's subtle enough, like the specific thing he says or a specific thing he does when he looks at her would have to be subtle enough that... Anyway, it's possible. It's within the realm of possibility. So maybe it's Tim or maybe it's some other detail, uh, like just one small lie that they happen to have told earlier that he later realizes was a lie. I mean, it could be something actually pretty small. Um, maybe they they say a lie about where they got the gun from, for example, to to save him with, and then... You know, maybe in a later conversation, the lie gets uh, found out or I don't know. Anyway, I think, you know, somehow they're going to have some kind of plan. The plan should get somehow screwed up and then they're going to have to make some kind of a run for it, basically, where like they have to get back to the, you know, the place that you can exit this planet from. um, Right. So that's what's happening in like real time in the moment. Right. It's like they they did what they came there to do. Uh, but they need to get off this planet that we established last episode only has one po- exit out, right? In the town square. Right. And no no access to exec functions that would allow you to teleport there faster or like bend the laws of physics or anything. Right, right. So right. they, yeah, they're, 
it. So we're not going to do that so, right now. I just wanted to sort of like talk through it for my own head. But yeah, yeah, that's, well, we could. that's correct. No, I think I mean, that's should, what, let's focus in on on the, the, the flashback because that's so right. So we're going to come out of whatever flashbacks we do. We're going to come out of those flashbacks and we're going to go into a third act that will basically be uh, Zoya and the club rep try to escape nature world before nature world realizes that they are murderers right now. They don't know. Um, but you know, somehow they're probably going to at least suspect it soon. So, uh, so that puts us in this place where, you know, we have a chance to fill the audience in on all of the sort of pivotal moments that we think it would be nice to see now that you know the twist, right? So it's like, you know, all the things that we've been tracking but not showing uh, and talking about over the last several episodes, we can pull them out and we could show, you know, as many of them as we feel people have stomach for at this point. I mean, basically, point. like, the entire Zoya plot line, which is, like, kind of has... It, it's almost I parallel mean, the way- to the entire plot line we've written, right? Like, almost every major beat has, like, a hidden Zoya beat. That's the thing, and it's 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 rich enough, and she's got these cross pressures of like her parents and the club and like Tim and like you know her own things that she like wants out of this, and yeah. like it's it's and we'll have hinted at all of this in the major story too, but just not shown the details of it. Yeah, I mean it's all interesting enough, and we've been tracking it all the way through that you know I'm almost unsure about like you know this doesn't feel like the kind of thing you can just like toss off in a montage like to me this feels like almost almost a co-equal branch of the story like i don't i mean i don't know i guess look the most extreme let's just paint the what the extremes are right like the, the like one extreme is we do like a really rapid montage that like in the most like fewest number of like panels possible uh, fills in the gaps and like connects to scenes you've seen before in a way that makes you go, Oh, now I get it. Right. Right. Um, or the, the other extreme is this is like a lot closer to the halfway point of the book. And, you know, we see the whole thing again, but from Zoya's perspective, like maybe not quite as long, but like 60% as long. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think that it would be possible to, yeah, go back to the beginning and sort of show the Zoya side of every scene. Um, I, I, my guess is that we're not going to need all that, though. So my, my, my instinct is what we ought to do is sort of pitch out what are all, like, almost like assume we're going to do the, the longer version, the B version, and pitch out every scene that we would potentially put in there. And then I think when we look back at that, my guess is that it's not going to be, um, it's not going to be something we're going to want to do, um, as a whole section of the story that stands on its own, uh, like, you know, in, in terms of size, like, I, I think it's going to be less than that because I think what you're going to find, and I'm not sure of this, we'll have to see when we do it. This is just my sort of hypothesis going in, but I think what we're going to find is that like, once you pitch the first couple of revelatory scenes, things start to move faster on their own, basically. Well, I, I think there's some compression that happens yeah. because I think significant a, compression will happen. When yeah. we're doing Tim's storyline, mm-hmm. uh, we are 
trying to establish for the audience like an entire universe right. of the constellation right. that we've designed. So like there's a lot of exposition and world you know, building stuff. Yeah. And world building skip. stuff to like lead people through. Mm-hmm. So hopefully I also think once job, you get the basic sense of like the parents are pressuring her to join. Well, the that club. was going to be my B. <laughs> I was, oh, yeah, okay. I was about you're, to get there. Maybe you're going there. All right. Sorry. I, I, I thought you were done. Go ahead. No, but that's exactly it. Right. Like, is that like, we already have, we already have half of some of these dynamics anyways. Like, right. We already know who our parents are and what their dynamic with her is to some degree. Oh yeah. So, so like, you know, there's just less, I mean, I don't know. You see this in movies all the time, right? Like when movies, I mean, we've all seen this device already, right? Where you flash back and show a different perspective. You don't have to show as much pretty consistently because there's a lot the audience already knows, right? And especially if we design the revelatory parts to be like, just after or just before scenes we've already seen, then there's like very established language, I think for like, you know, recalling a scene with a similar panel and then showing you what happened one moment later that we didn't show you before. You know, I think that there's like a language for that that people are familiar to, uh, with rather, um, that we can use. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I think we should like, my guess is that we're going to do something that's much closer to the first thing you pitch than the second thing. Like if those are two poles of a spectrum, I expect we'll be, you know, 25% of the way, uh, from the left side rather than, you know, the opposite. But, uh, I think we ought to pitch them out like as if we're doing the longest possible version. Like what is just like every interesting scene with Zoya that we've already kind of, um, established had to have happened, but have not, you know, actually thought all the way through because we haven't had to and then let's see what that actually what that list actually is and then we have to i think have a secondary conversation about how we want to present it because whatever the list of stuff is um we can frame that a number of different ways right i mean one way we could frame it is that zoya in the moment of committing her murder is literally like thinking of memories and so this is almost like a, a mind screen where we're jumping into her mind and seeing the flashes of the different scenes that led her there as she thinks of them. Um, that's one way we could approach it. Uh, but another way we could approach it is more objectively. Like we're just, we're just jumping back in time to show you some things that happened in the past that are now relevant. Right. Um, as more like the, the perspective of an objective storyteller. Um, and, there's, I think there's, there's like, further things we could do besides those two, but those are I I also think the think two the, obvious ones. I also think like those two are kind of, uh, it's kind of, it's, it could be ambiguous which of those it even is, right? I mean, like if the last shot is her holding can, a gun. Yes, it can be ambiguous. Looking like, yes. oh my gosh, and then you cut to uh, a series of scenes that she's in every one, and then you cut out to her holding the gun again. I think, you know, you could read between the lines as like, oh, we saw her like thinking back on how she got here, but we don't actually have to say that. And it could just be, we decided that was the moment we thought was most impactful to show you the flashback as storytellers, right? Like, and what's the difference really? Well, I definitely Um, agree with that. Although I, the only thing I would say counter to that is that I think um, if we do prefer one of those interpretations, it is possible to push. um, True. toward one or the other and i think that um it's worth considering which one we like better i mean i actually do agree and and i've definitely seen plenty of things that do this where that's that's left somewhat ambiguous um 
But I kind of think like if you are going to do a subjective one, why not lean into the subjectivity of it and allow the panels to be a little bit more open and to uh, for the memories to sort of bleed into each other a little more and for it to be a little more associative the way memory is. Well, the most subjective would be have like um, maybe even voiceover from her. Or, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, one thing that we could do is we could have her start narrating. Uh, and actually, I think that she could start doing that in, in either version. But, yeah, that could add some novelistic subjectivity that might be really good for it. Um, or if we decide that a more objective approach is, is the better storytelling approach, then, um, you know, we could also like end on the blood splatter of Tim, you know, and cut back to not end on her eyes, not end on her, you know, and cut to, you know, an objective scene of her and Tim talking that we've seen before, but then it continues on and we see her perspective or something. And if we were to do that, I think we would be, you know, utilizing the language to kind of almost tell you the opposite, to tell you like, now this is the truth. This isn't her subjective point of view. This is like, we haven't been telling you the whole truth and now we're telling you the whole truth kind of thing. Um, I mean, I, 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 I like both things I think actually. I, I like both. Uh, the one that I'm like sort of stuck on right now is in a good way uh, stuck on is the more subjective one just because I I have such a fondness for like well-motivated voiceover sure that that's uh, you know I almost I, I wonder if this is cheesy though I, I I don't know it's kind of borderline I guess like she's just killed Tim I mean I don't know you got to be careful with how people die right like it's cleanest if you just like dies instantly falls right <laughs> i i like, definitely prefer that i mean i feel like i just don't see it nearly enough in 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 writing but continue well i mean like if if he was at all conscious for like or like a moment after getting shot or a moment before where she sees that she's he's about to get shot i mean like what would be on his face or what would he it'd be like what what why what you know like that some kind of question on his face right even if it's just a look you know sure. it doesn't it doesn't have to be some cheesy thing that he says it could literally just be like like astonishment like like wait what you sure know? and the I same mean, thing that the audience it also could be thoughts right uh because he's also had voiceover um at this point in the story right. so if we wanted but like the to legitimate dying thoughts we could but the question could be posed uh, even non-verbally or verbally to Zoya of like, why? Sure. <laughs> right? And then that becomes the motivating factor to all of Zoya's voiceover in the flashback, which is like, well, here's why. And I'm like kind of because it, now that tinges her voiceover and the whole flashbacks with I'm defending why I did this and how I got here and how it wasn't my fault and like how, you know, yeah, how one it, thing led to another right, and like, you know, yeah. And and meanwhile, we're seeing the panels and maybe it doesn't line up with the way she's sort of trying to defend it. Um, sure. To put some, some irony between what we see and what she's saying is what you mean? Like, Yeah, but it makes sense. Right. Like hearing sure. what, how she justifies it in her, her head might be really useful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a cool idea. And I like the idea of her taking over the voiceover at that point in the story, too, and just having it from there till the end. Um, so, yeah, I mean... I, I think that the subjective version, which I think also militates toward being a little bit faster and a little bit more um, sweeping from one scene to the next, uh, I think that that appeals to me more as well. 
Um, I'm not opposed to uh, approaching it more more objectively, but I, I think that that will work. And I like the idea of, you know, we've just seen Zoya kill this guy. We're seeing her as kind of a hero in this moment because she's saved a priest from a, a man who's been our anti-hero, but has been like getting worse and worse uh, throughout the story. So we're going to be looking at her, I think, as a kind of you know, positive figure at this moment. And then we're it going also looks to, like she's rebelling against the club at that moment. It does oddly. look like that as well. And then we're going to find out that she's not doing either of those things. And then in fact, this whole thing has been a kind of like descent into um, immorality and madness for her. Uh, and uh, I think that's super cool. Um, I, I guess, uh, yeah, I think that what we... I, I don't know. I guess it's just like the approach that interests me is just like we should try to figure out like what is the maximum number of scenes that we could basically have in this section and then cut down from there or like figure out which ones we like the best. No, but there. you made a good point, which is that the uh, the sub- which I hadn't thought of until you said it, which is that the subjective version does imply the ability to like more quickly sample moments here and there and like get through it quicker if we need to. But I, but I, I share your strategy, which I think is you're right. Like we, we might as well think. Well, because part of what all. we're doing is we're picking the audience up to because they still. This is different from the way your short story worked because you, you, you did this all at once in the, in your version. But we've now we've sprung the twist on them that Tim's going to die, but we haven't yet sprung the twist on them that Zoya planned this from the beginning. We've actually still held that back, right? Yeah, there's a lot. There's a so lot that can, more that can be revealed in the flashbacks. That can be the the narrative purpose of these flashbacks is actually yeah, to yeah. reveal that. That there's a lot more to reveal, and and what I was going to say is I, I agree with your strategy of going ahead and fleshing all of that out, mm. even if we're not going to use it all. Right, right, right. Because yeah, I think that'll there help are, us. Yeah, yeah, because well, one that helps the writing process, and two, there's there's a lot of potentially like juicy scenes there with Zoya and her parents or whatever, and. Like, you know, once if we if we sort of figure out what they all are, we'll know like what what the ones we don't want to miss are, basically. Like Exactly. What- yeah. And maybe we can combine two or something, but I think or maybe that's more better to have like more little snippets and have the snippets themselves be smaller. Maybe that's the better you know, make have twelve of them, but each one's only a few panels or something. And then maybe I don't know, we'll have to think about it, but I mean we might be able to come up with a visual way to um set this part of the story off from the other parts where the panels look different or they connect differently to each other or something in order to sort of show, you know, um, the different way that, well, that that's in her mind, you know, or that it's, um, or whatever it is, I guess it doesn't have to be in her mind. It could be the, you know, I don't know. It could be her, uh, you know, whatever her diary or something, but I, I'm thinking of it as being in her mind. So I don't know. We can think that. Yeah. I mean, I like, I I don't know. I like the idea that her mind is the voiceover, but what we're seeing is sort of the objective reality, or at least like, like we're intruding as storytellers and saying like, here's what happened. But like, she's sort of directing it, what we're showing via her very subjective voiceover uh yeah that sounds I guess, sort of convoluted but you know what i, I, I mean, don't like know that... i mean I, yeah I, I i can i can imagine it that way i could also imagine it in a way that's 
visually more subjective as well. So it's not that it's lying to us or anything, but it's showing us things from his, her point of view. Um, maybe some things that we have seen before or seen part of before, but we're seeing them in a new way. And there's some aspect of them that we didn't notice before because we're looking out of her eyes or we're looking over her shoulder or sort of, you know, seeing it more the way she sees it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, do you, I think maybe we ought to put a cap on it for today and come back next week and just sort of basically go through everything we've done and try to almost make like a separate list of like all the Zoya scenes, all the, the, the shadow Zoya scenes that we've sort of. Sure. Yeah. We can, we can, uh, next time we can, uh, we can sort of delineate. Yeah. What are all the beats that happen with Zoya in that we would see in a potential flat, well, a definite flashback in this moment. Um, oh yeah, there's definitely some kind of flashback. We'll just see. Yeah, how, and that may take you know, that may take all of the next episode. I don't know, but if we get through that, then you know we're into this, you know, uh, escape tense from nature escape. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, which yeah. is, and then and then after that, we're into, well, how, what's a satisfying moment to actually <laughs> have the last page end on, which we still kind of have to work that out too. So that's true because we're moving past the original ending of the short story, so we have to figure out what is our actual moment of of lights out. Um, well, because we got to give Zoya an emotional ending now. I mean, it's like she takes over the story. Uh, she does something complicated and probably, uh, probably wrong, but then like, where does she go from there? Right? Like, you know, there's, there's options. I don't know. So, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think we have to consider whether she succeeds or fails at escaping and then, if yeah, they may not even escape. If, in fact, right? she does manage to escape, uh, then, you know, obviously she'd be conflicted about her new status, but we'd have to figure out an interesting way to show that. So, yeah, I think that's a really good place to sort of put a cap in this one. I guess we'll see you next time. Yeah, we'll see you next week. This has been Constellation, Making the Graphic Novel. Our theme song is Pomona by Audios. To subscribe to this podcast, look us up on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher application. You can find us on Twitter or on the web at constellationpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.